I'd love to just start by asking this question. We sang the bridge and it says, and oh, I feel like dancing. And I'd like to ask you this, but what about when you don't? Oh, I feel like dancing. Okay, but what about when you don't feel like dancing? Then what? And that's what I'd love to speak to us about today. I'd love to talk to us about what about when we feel something and it's not always the truth. And so I am super excited. That's like a little teaser trailer. That's what we're going to talk about. I'm very excited to be with you guys tonight. I really am. Um, it was actually nobody else's great idea other than me and my wife to be here tonight, actually. Steve contacted credit. Monet contacted credit. I said, Monet, we're coming on leave. We're going past Muscle Bay. Is there any chance we could stop and be with you guys? Because we loved being here so much last time. And so it's really our privilege to be here. We are amped. We, we feel like God has done something in our heart towards this congregation, towards you guys. And we really do love what God's doing here. And so it's, it really is a privilege to be here and to be able to share with you tonight. I feel like um, the Lord's been working this message in my heart. And I want to just give a disclaimer that I, f- I, I, I feel like this message is going to accomplish two things. And the one is, it's to help some, and it's to vaccinate others. So for, for some of us, we need the immediate hope now that I'm trusting that this word is going to bring to us. And then for some of us, you might not struggle with this, but it's going to vaccinate you with the truth so that when you do go through things, you'll be able to stand and endure. Is that okay? And so the title of my message is, When God Feels Far. When God Feels Far. Because there is something incredible about us as humans is that we're emotional. And God has made it that we are emotional. But one of those things is, who knows that our emotions are not consistent and in line with truth all the time? All the husbands are like, yes, amen, my wife can agree with you. I agree. I'm joking. Um, I'm actually more emotionally irregular than my wife, she will tell you. I'm the one that's up and down all the time. But the, the, the thing that I wanted to emphasize is much that as much as God has given us our feelings and our emotions to connect and engage and enjoy Him, very often those are the very things that lead us astray and bring us into bondage when we follow our feelings. And so what, this is a symptom of we actually live in a postmodern society. It's like a fancy terminology. And one of the symptoms for postmodern society is this. Truth is subjective. There is no objective truth. There is no truth that is the truth. It is what is your truth. What is your reality? How do you define gender? How do you define all of these things? How do you define connection? How do you define relationship? How do you define marriage? How do you define all of these things? And it's all based on what I feel. And so much like, who knows the brand of watch called Rolex? They're they're quite amazing watches, right? You spend a lot of money on them. They, They cost a ton of money. People invest in them. But do you know what? What is Rolex? The watch. What's its job? To tell the time. Do you know that a Rolex does not keep accurate time? Do you know that you can buy a Casio quartz watch that as long as it has a battery, it never loses time? But because a Rolex is mechanical, 
every single month it loses time. And that is so much like the human condition, that actually if we don't have an objective truth that we live our life according to, because of our emotions and our irregularity, we consistently move the goalposts all the time. And so this can filtrate into your relationship with God, how you feel about Him, and all of these things. So I'd love to take one example from the Bible, one person's life story, and show you how they go through everything. And when you think that God would be furthest from them, they say, but God is near. And I want to show us that despite how you feel, on the contrary, the truth is actually very opposite to how you feel in the moment. Is that okay? And so I'd love to look at um, Psalm 34. And I now gave you, this is the last scripture, so I just want to, Psalm 34 verse 18. It's just this one line and then we're going to go into the actual message. And it says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. And when I first read the scripture, I was like, man, that's such an encouraging scripture. And it's, it's such an amazing thing to hear. But I don't always feel like that's true. When you're brokenhearted, do you feel like God is near? I don't. When your spirits are crushed, do you feel like, I'm so close to Him right now. I'm going through such, I've just lost everything. God is so near to me right now. No, it's opposite. Our feelings are so misleading. And so in the Bible, there's this amazing young king of Israel. He's found as a shepherd boy. And the story of this shepherd boy's life, and then we'll, we're going to pick it up together. I'm going to give you the, the up, and then we'll read the down. But basically, this shepherd boy, he gets picked out of his brothers. They're all away. He gets anointed. God's, God identifies a calling on his life, and he slays a giant. And when he kills Goliath, and it's David, and David kills Goliath, his life starts this incredible upward trajectory. And we all look at this part of David's life, and we're like, man, God is with him. The shepherd boy kills Goliath. Oh, God is with him. And then the king pulls him close, and he makes him a commander, and he sends him to battle, and David just wins victory after victory after victory. And it's like, it's so easy for us. We're like, God is with him. Everything he does everything he touches turns to gold. Am I right? Have you ever felt like that? It's like you walk into a job and you have favor and business comes in and the market swings and everything you do is amazing. You're like, man, God is with me. And then when it doesn't, where did God go? Yeah. <laughs> and so I, I, want, I want us to see actually this amazing downward trajectory that happens in David's life. And David is the one that writes this psalm. And he writes it at the bottom of the pit. He writes it when he's lost everything, including his dignity. He says at the bottom of the hole, he says, of all of this, despite what I feel, what I've learned is that God is near to the brokenhearted. And I want to tell you, there are people sitting here today. You don't feel close to God. You don't feel in the best place with him. You don't feel like things are going, you feel like he's far from you. And I want to tell you that the way you feel and the reality are very different. Okay. 1 Samuel 18 verse 5. This is this incredible story of David. 
And um, Psalm 1 Samuel 18 verse 5 says, Whatever Saul asked David to do, David did it successfully. So Saul made him a commander over the men of war, an appointment that was welcomed by the people and the officers alike. At this point, we're like, yes, God is with David. God is near. He's succeeding in everything he does. And it moves on to 1 Samuel 18 verse 10 to 11. The very next day, I just want us to note, read, read the scripture. It's gonna, it's gonna, you're going to struggle in your theology. That's okay. That means you're reading it right. The very next day, a tormenting spirit from God overwhelmed Saul, and he began to rave in his house like a madman. David was playing the harp as he did each day, but Saul had a spear in his hand, and he suddenly hurled it at David, intending to pin him to the wall, but David escaped. And at this point, it's like, okay, God's, God's with David, God, you know, that's, but that was unfortunate. And we start to see that this is the beginning of this downward spiral in David's life. The next, and it says in, in verse 17, One day Saul said to David, I'm ready to give you my older daughter, Merib, as your wife. But first you must prove yourself by being a real warrior because killing Goliath isn't enough and killing tens of thousands isn't enough. By fighting the Lord's battle, for, for Saul thought, I'll send him out against the Philistines and let them kill him rather than doing it myself. So first, the king that he admires and his role model tries to pin him to the wall. And then he tries to secretly have him killed. At this point, it's starting to feel like, I don't know about you, but it's like, God, where, where are you in this? Have you ever started to, uh, is it just me that sometimes when our circumstance takes a slight turn, we, the first question is like, God, where are you? What's going on? 1 Samuel 18, verse 19, and then David does what Saul asked him to do. He kills everybody. And so when the time came for Saul to give his daughter to David, he gave her to someone else. Now it's really starting to go well. So the, the king that he has longed to serve wants to kill him. Then he plots to, to kill him by somebody else. Then he promises him his daughter. Then he gives her to somebody else. Can you imagine? Put yourself in David's shoes. Is things going well right now? Are you feeling great about life? Are you at com that week testifying to the goodness of God? You're like, man, God is so near. It's just like when I wake up in the morning and I open the curtains, I just feel his presence. I feel his favor. No. Often it's our emotional, our circumstance determines how close we feel God is to us. And the story carries on and it goes in, down, in verse 21. It talks about there's another instance where Saul tries to kill him. He says, go kill more Philistines. David does it again and he betrays him. And do this again and David does it again and he tries to kill him. He eventually, Saul knows that his one daughter is such a beautiful personality that he knows that if David marries her, it's going to be hard for David. So he gives that daughter, David, to marry like, that's really sabotaging at this point. <laughs> he marries this girl, and then he flees for his life. Saul tries to kill him. And his very own wife lies about David on his way out. It's like this incredible fall from grace. This is the same guy that people are singing in the streets. David has done these incredible things. And all of a sudden, his life has just gone like this. His his king betrays him, his wife betrays him, he loses everything, 
and he runs, and he actually flees Israel. He loses his best friend, Jonathan, and he flees, and he runs to, into Palestine. And this is where this part of the story comes. And, and our, this part of the story is so incredibly important because this is the context of which David wrote that psalm. And I want us to understand that, and then we're going to look at the whole psalm that he wrote. Well, not the whole psalm, just a f- top piece. In 1 Samuel 21 verse 12, and David heard these comments. So he's run and he's in Palestine, and now he's afraid of the king there. And David heard these comments and was very afraid of what King Ashef of, of Gath might do to him. So he pretended to be insane, scratching on doors and drooling down his beard. Finally, King Achish said to his men, must you bring me a madman? We already have enough of them around here. Why should I let someone like this be my guest? And he kicked, basically David flees into the mountain. Can you imagine going from having it all to drooling down your face, scratching on a door like a madman? Lost everything. And if you look at most of your Bibles, if you look at, and we can turn there to Psalm 34. This is how it starts. Uh, It says, a Psalm of David regarding the time that he pretended to be insane in front of Abimelech, who sent him away. David starts like this. And I want, uh, the parallel that I want us to draw is, can you imagine how opposite this is to how he's feeling? I will praise the Lord at all times. I will constantly speak his praises. I will boast only in the Lord. Let all who are helpless take heart. Come, let us tell of the Lord's greatness. Let us exalt his name together. I just want to remind you why he's writing this. He's not writing this as a successful king who's just conquered thousands and done incredible things. He's writing this as somebody that's just lost all his dignity, acting like a crazy man. And there is something of the reason why this is written for us is for us to see that much like a Rolex that loses its time, it can't keep time indefinitely, if you live your life based on how you feel about God and not based on who He actually is, you will find yourself leading yourself astray. You will find yourself feeling like, I I, I said this morning, when I ask most Christians, how is your relationship with Jesus going? Do you know that most commonly the answer is this? Um, Well, I haven't really had a quiet time this week. Or, I really need to pray more. Or, I'm trying to get to reading my Bible more lately. Or, I haven't really been to church in a while. Or, for so many of us, that is the reference point for how we gauge how my walk with Jesus is doing. It's based on how I feel it's going. Can I give you the truth of how your relationship with Jesus is going? The truth is that He has made a way for you to have a relationship with Him without a barrier. That He has made a way for you to be forgiven 
that He has made a way for you to be in right standing, that He has made a way that we can actually live in constant relationship with Jesus every single day. That's how your relationship's going. It's going pretty good. And it's based on nothing that you did and everything that He did. We get caught up in our emotional baggage of how I feel it's going. We come to worship and we feel like dancing, so we dance. But what about when you don't? What about when you don't feel like dancing? Or when you don't feel like praying? Or when you don't feel like singing about Him? He hasn't changed. He's still good. He's still glorious. He's still seated on the throne. And so there is something that the Lord wants to do inside of us where we won't be those who live based on how we feel it's going, but actually will be based on the truth of what He's done. I wrote this scripture down uh, in the beginning, so the AV team don't have it, I'm sorry. It's um, John 16, Most of us know it. I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Does it feel like Jesus has always overcome your world? <laughs> it doesn't to me. The truth is, He has. I want to bring this to two points of emphasis. The one is this. There can be things in your life that bring a separation between you and the Lord. And it's not from His side. There are things that you do. There is sin. There is separation from God. There is withdrawing. There is where we come and we bring distance in our relationship with God. He, his posture towards us doesn't change. And so when somebody says to me, man, things are going really tough right now. I'm struggling, to feel I'm, I'm struggling to feel that God is near to me. My first question is, is there something you're not telling me? Because I'm going to be very honest with all of you. There is something you're not telling me. <laughs> because there's only one that has no darkness in him. The rest of us, there is stuff in us. And man, we're trying to work it out and we bring it into the light and we share and we overcome. But in every single one of us, there is consistently stuff that if you're not living in keeping with repentance, you will feel far from God. Confession time. Went to JB on Friday. Loved it. Uh, it was amazing. JB hasn't had waves in like a month. I get there on Friday, it's firing. Surf the whole day Friday. Surf Saturday. Surf Sunday. Monday comes and my wife, she can see me. I'm getting up at half past five. There's no time with Jesus. There's no, it's waxing my board, getting in the car and disappearing. Coming back, sleeping, eating, going out, surfing. Coming back. And I can see that she knows me well. And so by day three, she's like, so, like, what do you feel like the Lord's saying to you? 
I'm like, why are you on leave? I'm like, no, God wants me to rest. That's, the, you know, God and I are on a time out, you know. He's, he's like, he needs some space from me maybe. Like, I don't know. And I promise you, I wasn't even, I, I had no time to think of anything else. I was just exhausted and I was just surfing and I was just having this incredible time. But you know what? Like a Rolex, I started to lose time. By the third or fourth day, I came back after having an incredible surf. And all of a sudden, I can feel there's that surf part of me. I'm short with the kids. I'm irritable. Dad, let's go play putt-putt. I, I tell you what, when I don't spend time with Jesus, when I'm not near him, I'm not great. I'm not a great person. Did he go anywhere or do anything? No. No. I slowly started, and do you know what I was doing for those, Lord, forgive me. I was feeding that little idol thing in my life. That little surfing thing, that little self-fulfillment. I'm not knocking surfing, it's holy, you guys can have it. I won't rebuke surfing, it's godly. Um, there's that little part of me that wants to actually, and I'll, and I'll be honest, in ministry so often, because your life is poured out for the sake of others, you start to feel entitled to some alone time. You start to feel entitled, like, I spend my life counseling people and helping and traveling and preaching and building into other churches. I just want some time, me time, me time, me time, me time. And I feed that thing and actually it becomes sif. It's actually not amazing. And I realized that actually what I should be doing is spending time with him. And by the third or fourth day, I start to feel like, oh my word, I'm going to Muscle Bay this weekend. I don't even know if I'm a Christian anymore. Like, <laughs> I'm supposed to be preaching to us this weekend. I don't even know, like, what language God speaks anymore. It's been three days, and I'm like, but is it just me? You can Sunday morning, it's like, this, this time of worship was incredible. My soul was alive inside of me during worship tonight. And you can go into work tomorrow and have the most terrible start to the day, and you feel terrible by the end of it. Your relationship with Jesus is not based on how you're feeling. It's based on the truth of what He has done. When, I've, when God feels far, He's not far. What does bring distance? James 4 verse 8. It's a bit of a harsh one, but we'll read it together. Come close to God. When God feels far to you, I want to say this to you tonight. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. That's when you look at your neighbor, you're like, obviously it's not me. Wash your hands. Look at what you're doing. Purify your hearts. For your loyalty is divided between God and the world. When you start to feel distant from God, often it's because it's your loyalty that's divided. It's not Him. Do you know that He is unwavering in His love and dedication and commitment to you? But it's ours that wavers and shifts.
Ephesians 4 verse 18, their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life. Who wanders far from? Does God leave us? No, they wander far from the life God gives because they've closed their minds and hardened their hearts. There is this concept that I've started in our congregation, it's become awkward. People don't want to see me for coffee anymore. When you're a pastor who fixes everybody's problems, you'll find you've got this list of people who just want to see you all the time. But I've kind of come up with a new opening line when I see people, regardless of who it is. And it's, so what sin are you working through at the moment? <laughs> Elder, lead Elder, deacon, saint, it doesn't matter who. If you want to have coffee this week, I'll tell you. Same thing. And you know, we're often very afraid to ask that question because we know they're going to say, and you? <laughs> and the reality is because I've seen that we can sometimes mystify this thing so much of like, yeah, we're all sinners. We, that's how we treat it. Yeah, we're all sinners. We all, we all but we, there's no detail. Like, I won't go into detail if you don't want me to. I don't want to give you my detail. You keep yours. Then we, it's like this. We agree on this peace treaty. But in actual fact, I've realized that this condition inside of all of us is something that will continually bring separation between us and the Lord. And it can go from a one day high to the next day, something in your heart. Something rises, somebody says something and you get hurt. You fall into a snare, you look with lust, you... You, you chase after greed. You, and these things will bring a separation between you and the Lord. It won't push God away. It pulls you away. And so the first thing is this, is when you feel far from God, what is the state of your heart? Instead of the first thing is, God, where are you? My question is, where are you? The nature of our king is he's the one in the garden calling, Adam, where are you? Did he not know where Adam was? <laughs> His nature is to always come looking. Don't let your loyalty be divided. And the second one is, um, I really believe that for a lot of us, we think that the devil's primary tool for attacking us is circumstance. Because we're so materialistic, if we're honest. Am I right? Like, if you are on your way to church and you get a flat tire, you're on your way and you hit a pot on, you go like, the devil! Send a message, babe, on the com group. Ask him to pray. The devil's trying to stop us getting to church on time. You, your cell phone company takes off a double amount of your bill without telling you, and it's like, oh, the devil's trying to get me. Like, we so often perceive hardship or difficulty in this world, we attribute to like, that is the work of Satan. He is out to ruin my life. He's out to make it hard for me. Actually, do you know what his primary method is? All he... All he He's the father of lies. He, his, his primary method 
of bringing separation between you and the Lord is not making things hard for you. He's just got to get you to believe a lie about him. You just have to start to believe that God is far from me, that God's forgotten me, that God's withdrawn from me, that God's abandoned me. You start to believe those things. You start to, those deceptions, that is how the enemy works. It's not the flat tire on the way to church. If anything, that's the Lord. <laughs> trying to teach you to be a little bit more punctual. <laughs> you see, do you know why David can say that God is near to the brokenhearted? Because Israel, they cried out to the Lord for a king. And so they got Saul. And Saul was not a great king. But after Saul, the Lord decided he was going to, while Saul was king, the Lord chose David. And he didn't just make him king. He made a king. He didn't just come and say, this will now be your king. He took David. And he took him through everything. And he made him into a king. And I want to say so often the circumstance that can make you feel so far from God, financial hardship. I understand that at the moment it's more financially difficult for us than it's ever been. I understand that for a lot of people, things are really tough right now. It's not easy. Relationships, family, work, it's, di it's difficult. Load shedding. We won a World Cup, so for well, like a little while, everybody's happy, and then it's back to normal. Load shedding's back. But it's like your circumstance can so quickly determine. In actual fact, God wants to use that stuff to develop something inside of us. There is a plan and a purpose and a calling, and a, that you are a part of a body that has a part to play. That every one of us, he's given gifts for the sake of building up the body. And all he has to do is sideline you by letting you believe something like, oh man, God's forgotten about me. That was one of the words that came. That those who feel like they can't even bring, I can't even come to him. I want to tell you tonight that despite the way you feel, the truth is who he is and what he's done. Oh, I hit my steps goal. That's great. I want to read this scripture, to Ephesians 2 verse 13. So that was such a rabbit hole. I'm gonna, that, that is the stuff that Andrew was telling us not to do this week when we were preaching. But now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once, once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Jesus. If you are a believer, this is the truth. When God feels far, he is near. When God feels not present, he is right there. When, when it feels like my life is out of control, God, where are you? You're absent. God is near. He's right there. If you're a believer, he's near. If you're not a believer, you haven't been brought near. 
there was a word that came in worship. There is a train that is stopping at the station. The appeal is, God is calling out and wanting to bring you near to Him. Why? Because He loves you. Because He wants relationship with you. Because He pursues you. But all you'll do is call. What will your response be? I wonder if we can buy his. I'd love to, um, Steve and I chatted earlier, and we almost felt like, um, for some people, that we're almost like a time of just being able to pray for each other, for those who are feeling like, circumstances difficult or maybe you're going through something or maybe it feels like God is far but before any of that I would love to there was an article made in worship there was this sense of like there is somebody here this morning where the Lord is calling and it might not feel like you can come near to him you might not feel like he loves you I want to tell you if you feel like God doesn't love you he does that is a promise. That is an ob- I promise you he does. That is who he is. And he's calling. He wants you to get on board. He wants you to follow him. And so we're gonna get, I'm going to give an opportunity. If there's anybody like that this evening, I'd love it if you could respond. And so I'm going to first ask for the rest of us. For those of us who've been feeling like, man, my walk with God has become this, like, I have this up and down at times. I have this, I feel like it's going amazing, and then I don't. And then I feel like it's, and then it's not. And and I feel like the Lord really wanted to bring, like, His revelation this evening of saying, it's not about what you feel, it's about the truth of who I am. And so I wonder, I want to actually something different while we seated can we just lift can you just lift your hands to receive right now